Out, the podcast that will help you navigate your way through the world of adulthood and the uncontrollable forces of womanhood. I'm Georgina Beasley, your host, and today I had the wonderful privilege of interviewing Donna from Endometriosis Australia. Donna is one of the directors and co-founders of the organization, and she came to chat to us all about the illness affecting many, many women, endometriosis. We talk in depth about what it is, how it affects women, um, the signs, symptoms and treatments, as well as how you can get involved in raising awareness this month with Endometriosis Australia. If you enjoy the episode, please remember to subscribe, leave a review, share it with your friends. And if you haven't already, come join our community on Instagram at the wow podcast underscore. Hello and welcome to the wow podcast, Donna. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate you giving us your time. I know you're a very busy woman, so um, we'll jump straight into it. I'd like to begin by acknowledging the Ngunnawal people, the traditional custodians of the land I reside on here in Canberra. I pay my respects to their elders past and present, and I extend that respect to any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander listeners here today. So to start off with, Donna, could you please share a little bit about yourself? Well, it's kind of a curly question when you ask that because we're so used to not talking about, well, I am not talking about myself. You know, Mm. it's not about me. It's always been about how do you help change things for the masses of um, people that are affected by endometriosis. Um, So a little bit about me. I have endometriosis myself and I I got to a point where um, my child was born on the spectrum and I had endometriosis and was diagnosed before I had him. So I spent the first six years of his life getting him ready for school. And it was like, what can I do? Um, you know, I, I think I read a quote that I put up years ago about my son. And it was about um, having a child on the spectrum makes you a warrior for them. Mm. And I think that sort of ignited that warrior within me that things needed to change. People knew what autism were was, but, you know, and knew... Sometimes it's misguided, but at least they had an idea of what it is. No one even knew what endometriosis was. It was not in any health policies. It was not um, spoken about publicly. So um, I had talked about it um, years before with um, Professor Jason Abbott, who's my surgeon, and we had talked about it, and I think we mulled over it for 10 years before life had got into the position where we are in the perfect alignment to create endometriosis Australia Um, Mm. so I suppose that's a little bit about me and the passion about why I wanted to I didn't want to see the next generation and the generations after that too because now we're into the um, not only the millennials but now the iGen or the Gen Z's as well you know they shouldn't have to go through what I went through and mm. no one talking about it at all at school. It wasn't mentioned. You didn't t- talk to each other about your periods. It was not, you didn't even mention periods. It was dirty, taboo. You hid it. Mm. So I didn't want the next generations to go through that. Mm. So you are the uh, one of the directors and co-founder of Endometriosis Australia. Um, when when did you fi- uh, found the organisation? 
So the organisation, we originally, it was set up in 2012 and we were we launched in 20, early 2013. So um, when I remember filing my first, you know, for the business name and we were registered and I was so excited and I got quickly drawn back to her saying, you've got a long way to go yet. We're not quite there. So 2013. <laughs> so um, we've been around for quite some time now and, um, yeah, it's, I, I like to, think that we've made um, a change for mm. everyone out there and I mm. look forward to seeing how much more change we can do in the next 10 years. Mm, absolutely it's been I mean it's quite an exciting time um, for endometriosis Australia and for all endometriosis sufferers because I feel like finally it's gaining a bit of momentum um, I was diagnosed two years ago and when I was diagnosed I was the same I was like no one has ever told me what this word is before I had no clue what um, this illness was or what I was having to prepare myself for but in the months to come um, it started popping up in the media and you know um, the AV did a, a Q&A on it and it started, you know, you started getting a lot of articles in the media of people expressing their stories, people coming out um, from all walks of life, you know, people in the public eye putting their hands up and saying, I suffer with endometriosis and I want to put my hand up and show my support and to other women and help them, you know, raise awareness of it and feel like they're not alone for those people who are going through it um, silently or not aware that it affects so many women. So it is an exciting time because it seems to just be um, gaining more more momentum and awareness which is I guess probably the goals that you're hoping to continue to achieve um so yeah so thank you for your work it is very exciting so today we're going to be I guess discussing uh, the illness at whole and um you know learn a little bit more about it for those listeners here today who maybe haven't heard of the word before or have heard of it but don't really know exactly what it entails so to start off with Donna would you mind giving a brief explanation to what endometriosis is endometriosis is where cells similar to the lining of the uterus are found outside of the uterus and so they can be found commonly around the pelvic area. So it might be around the ovaries and the tubes and um, that would be the floping tubes, the pouch of Douglas um, in and around that area, but it also can affect the bladder and the bowel. Um, but it's been found in every place in the body. There is no place unturned by endometriosis. So you can find it, it's been found in the brain, it's found mm. in the lungs, it's found in the diaphragm, skin, joints, um, so it, it's a wily character, an insidious character, but um, it's been found in so many places. I think the spleen was the last place it hadn't been found, but it has now been found in the spleen. Yeah, wow. And um, as you touched on before, you've obviously been um, one of the front fighters of this um, illness for a while and trying to raise awareness. But when, when was the first time that you learned the word endometriosis? For myself, I was around 28, 29, um, mm. around that time that I had learnt of the word endometriosis. And it was just by, I think it was around 29, it was just by accident that I learnt about the word. And it was just because I was uh, suffering really bad period pain and I was over at a, um, a friend's place and her sister-in-law is a nurse and she worked at what then was the endogyne unit at the Royal Women's in Sydney. 
And she said, oh, you've got to go and see this doctor. He, definitely you've got endometriosis. That just, and my, um, so she was the one that sort of started me on that journey of getting the investigations. Before that, um, I have an aunt through marriage who, so we're not blood related, but she had severe endometriosis. And so she had been telling me probably a year before that, that you sound like you've got endometriosis. And I think I went into the denial thing. If I don't think about it, it's not there and I don't mm -hmm. have it. And um, so I was finally diagnosed at 31. Wow. And how has living with endometriosis impacted your day-to-day -day life? Oh, look, it's really hard to sum up. Um, I've got quite um, an extreme presentation of endometriosis. So I have endometriosis in the diaphragm with adhesions to my, the pericardium, so the lining of the heart, and wow. I all, which is inoperable because it, anyway, it's a whole different thing, but that's inoperable in that location. Um, I also have had a liver resection due to endometriosis. And um, I have the ugly cousin or the ugly sister of endometriosis adenomyosis as well. Mm -hmm. So I waited until I was um, over 43 and um, I had my uterus and tubes and cervix removed because of adenomyosis. Mm -hmm. um, I've had it in my bladder as well and my ureters. So I don't think that, you know, I'm definitely not the worst case out there. There are so many others about out there with worse cases than mine. But it, as a family, it affects, you know, I have one child um, and endometriosis affected that because I could only have one child. Mm -hmm. And I like to say endometriosis Australia was my second child because um, I wouldn't have had time to do endometriosis Australia, I think, if I... So that's my um, lemonade out of my lemons is that yeah. I would blessing have had in disguise blessing mm. in disguise I wouldn't have had time to do endometriosis Australia if I had have been able to have two children um, so it is definitely affected um, you know it affects your relationship at some stages I was lucky that I was diagnosed before I met my husband so he sort of came into it knowing what was happening so mm. he came into it quite well aware um, and he's been the most amazing support. So my tip out there, if you're looking for a partner, make sure they're on your team. Mm. <laughs> you, know, you can't do this disease. You can't do any chronic disease without having people on your team. Mm. I can back that. I've been very lucky to find someone that, you know, my boyfriend is a huge um, oh, just help because it is debilitating and it does make you suffer in ways in which... Um, you just wouldn't think it would make you suffer. Uh, there's a lot of simple tasks that sometimes just become too hard to do, whether it is trying to get up and make dinner or whether it's trying to hang out the washing when you're in too much pain, those things become quite unbearable to do. So having someone that um, is, you know, understanding, thoughtful, there to help out, there to pick up the pieces when <laughs> when you can't gather them all together definitely is a huge help. Um, Being a partner. You know, it's a partnership. So yeah. I think, you know, you it's a yin and a yang. You, you, it's some, you know, the, when you can't do it, they do it. And then when they can't do it, you do it. So it's like this flow. So it is really important to, and it might be just the family around you, you know, mm. having that support um, and your friends, because I know that there's a lot of statistics about girls and um, because the research was done on young girls, um, 
that they lost their friends because mm. they were seen as unreliable um, mm. and flakes and not turning up. So, you know, find those true people. You don't need to have quantity. You need to have quality. Quality, mm, absolutely. And yeah, and that's something deep conversation. That, <laughs> yeah, you end up finding you. You get a tribe around you. You really do. Absolutely. And your tribe is your healthcare professionals. It's your psychologist. It's your boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever that may be. It's your parents, your mum, dad, your sister, brother, your cousins, your aunties, and it's your friends. And with that tribe, they only need to be the quality, not the quantity. And and that is your support force to help you get through um donna we have some listener questions today um i put it out to the wow community and they sent through some lovely questions for you so shani um sent through i think i might have endometriosis but i don't know who to see Uh, where would you recommend shani starts in trying to find a diagnosis yeah so it's a it's an age-old question everyone goes i think there's something wrong what Mm. can i do so we do have a tool on that Ranscog has just released on our website called Rate. And you can go in there and you can fill in that questionnaire and that might give a bit more validity when you go because there's, uh, you know, history shows us that a lot of women and a lot of people are dismissed um, when they go and see their medical practitioner because it's just normal to have period pain. Mm. And it's not normal to miss out on school, uni, work, et cetera, et cetera. So um, the rate tool is quite a good one to, you know, you can identify through that. Um, Then take that to your GP. So I would say that the best idea is to um, make an appointment with your GP and ask around first. If you don't have someone, your GP is not your, you know, if you're not got a regular family GP that you've got a really good relationship with and that's going to listen and you're looking for someone, Um, You can jump into groups. Um, Endometriosis Australia has a closed um, education um, and discussion group and you can ask for names or or recommendations from others uh, for endo-friendly GPs in your area. So make sure you you put down the, um, you know, your city, state, where you're located so that people Mm -hmm. can make those recommendations. But there are such things as endo-friendly GPs that understand... um, what it's like and they obviously have quite a few patients um, that have endometriosis and the GP is the first place to start and then they will then recommend you on if they think it's necessary to then recommend you through to an endometriosis um, specialist gynecologist so Mm. someone who is familiar and works with endometriosis in the gynecological field. So with that um, recommendation to a specialist um, that your GP makes, do you, is it important that um, the gynecologist you see is an endometriosis specialist or can just a general gynecologist um, treat and help you? Well, it's quite a political question, but you want to be seeing someone who treats it regularly yes. and is familiar with it and has a lot of experience in it. So by asking others to find out that recommendation, because there is no one qualification that says you're an endometriosis specialist. So you need to know, you know, do they see patients, you know, how many do they see a month of endometriosis? Um, Mm. Do they have a team they work with? All of those generalized questions will help you decide, but recommendations from other endo warriors is really a great way of getting about it. But you want someone who knows and who has the skills. It's quite complex 
if you do go down the surgical route, it's quite a complex surgery because as I've described, you know, um, my liver was involved and I had to have a liver resection and my specialist has a team that they work with. So mm. they had someone who specialises in liver resections who can identify and has been, you know, um, I suppose educated in their own way about endometriosis. So you want that team. I think everything mm. we're going to talk about is going back to your team. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> absolutely. And I can personally um, relate to that, Donna, because I've I lived in quite a few um, different cities now and I call on those endometriosis face groups. They are my lifeline. Um, when you move to a new city, I always Google on you move to a new place. The first thing I do is find the local endometriosis group and there is always one. Um, and if there's not one particular to the city that you're in, there's always the broader endometriosis Australia group, which is also a great resource and jumping on there and asking, you know, who's, what specialist do you guys see? Who have you found to be really good with surgery or what GP really helps or, you know, what women's physio really helps as that all the recommendations. And so far I haven't gone wrong with them because if someone's recommended them as being really, really good, it's usually that they are really good. <laughs> yeah. And you've got to find, you know, it's like any modality you're going to find good accountants, bad accountants, Mm. um, ones that suit your purpose, ones that don't suit your purpose. So um, you've got to find someone you click with because you've got to trust them to be on your team. You've Mm. got to have faith in them. So if you go to someone who you've been recommended to and it doesn't feel right for you, just find the one that you click with. Um, Mm. It's kind of an esoterical thing and it's hard to... um, uh, hard to um, describe I suppose but you've got to find someone who you really have that that bond with that you can that feels like you gets you understands you and what you're you know because not everyone goes into an a doctor's appointment wanting the same end goal like we mm. all say we want endometriosis cured but their goal like I go in and mine is I want to age better someone else because I'm now for the listeners I'm now 50 and it's just horrific that whole idea that I'm now 50 (laughs) but um you've got people going in that are just on the start of their fertility journey so fertility is their priority or you've got the young teenager who is going in and their priorities because they just want to hang out with their friends and go to school so they're they everyone will have a different priority so you have to find the right um, practitioner in any modality that's going to fulfill your purpose, not any other agenda. Mm, Because it is a little bit like a marriage. (laughs) It's like finding a partner, you know, not everyone out there you're going to be best friends with. Um, But, and that's why it's important to try to find the right one. Um, Ellie has sent through going, how do you recommend navigating having endometriosis and your workplace? I have a male boss who I don't think will understand the severity of my illness and I don't know what to do. Well, interesting you say that, Ellie. We, um, I'm part of a research project with the um, Western Sydney University and um, the Southern Cross University. We're doing a workplace. We did the COVID-19 workplace survey to see how endo warriors have been able to when everyone had to work from home has that Mm. been a help has it aided managing your disease Um, so we've got some preliminary data coming out um, on that and um, there are 
quite a quite strongly people are um you know scared exactly like Ali is how do I how do I get it across to a male boss and I think it depends on what industry you're in is how do you sell it to them because it Mm. is about a sales it is about trying to get them on your team how am I going to get them on my side to help me be um better at my job I don't want to lose my job I want to be more productive I want to be but I think the the biggest outcome in this uh, survey we've done and it has been about flexibility. So mm. understanding that, um, and we found that people have been as productive, if not more productive working from home mm. and small businesses, that's not always going to be possible, but I think it's just about flexibility. If you can um, describe to them, and I think it is about describing endometriosis without using the words periods, because sometimes that just shuts off that if you've got a male boss it might be that shutting down la 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 secret women's business I don't want to know about it Mm. but if you have a discussion and talk about it being cells similar to the lining of the uterus found elsewhere in the body you're not mentioning periods you're Mm. talking about it a little bit differently so I think I've walked into a room of male lawyers and been able to describe it without once using the word periods Mm. so you just say that sometimes um, I'm going to need a little bit of flexibility. I'm happy to do more on, you know, some weeks maybe it's, you know, longer days or whatever it might be. You've got to work out what's works for the industrial laws as well. Um, but how can you both be flexible about it and have that discussion with them to, um, I think, being open and not um, and trying to get them on your side is a, is a really good approach. Um, we're trying to come up with more, um, we're working on a workplace um, plan to incorporate um, businesses and educate businesses on endometriosis and what would be best practice and um, how they can be of um, help and how the businesses can still flourish through having a staff with endometriosis because we don't want people to be overlooked because they've got endometriosis. Mm, that's fantastic and such good news because I think that can when you're a young woman who's uh, very career driven and you find out you have endometriosis it can be quite disheartening to think how am I going to be able to do these big dreams and achieve my career goals that I have with an illness that you know some people don't agree with or don't believe is is as bad as it is so it's nice to know that there is hope and that there are ways to work around it. Yeah, I mean, they are simple things, but I think I go back to also an analogy that if someone walks into a room and says, I'm ha- um, I've got to go in to have a bowel resection because I've got bowel cancer, automatically someone will say, I'm so sorry, how can I help? Mm-hmm. If you went in and said, I'm having a bowel resection because of endometriosis, the first instance people are going to say, what's endometriosis? Mm-hmm. So you don't automatically get that empathy and understanding. So I think that it is about, you know, whilst it sounds um, lighthearted to say we're raising awareness, raising awareness then gives that, you know, in, gives everyone that knowledge that the first time when you say I've got to have a bowel resection, they understand that their first response is going to be, how can I help? Mm. Not what is endometriosis? 
Yeah, that's good. Start with the serious stuff. I have to go have surgery because of this condition I have. And then it sounds like, oh, surgery, that's usually for bad things. And yeah, yeah. it is bad. <laughs> um, Millie sent in wanting to know, how do you get endometriosis? Is it genetic? Well, that is the question. It's the holy mm-hmm. grail of questions for endometriosis researchers, which is why we need lots more investment in endometriosis research. We actually don't know what causes endometriosis. What We know that we can't prevent endometriosis and we know that there is no cure for it. So um, it's quite a you know insidious, horrific disease. There is a genetic element to endometriosis. It's not, from my understanding, it's not one gene, it's a cluster. So um, there is lots more research and a lot more investment needs to be in this area um, to be able to um, enable a genetic testing so that, you know, because it's a set of genes. So, you know, some people have it down through their dad's family, their mum's family. So it's like a it's just a genetic lottery whether you you end up with it, but it's you're seven to eight times more likely to have it if you've got a family member that has endometriosis. So mm. there is a strong genetic um, element to endometriosis. Mm, right. So moving forward into the, I guess, more nitty gritty questions on mm. on really understanding the disease. How many women are affected by endometriosis? So the latest statistics is that it's one in nine. Um, will be diagnosed with endometriosis in Australia. That's 11.4%. And so that research came out at the end of last year. And so that works out to be over 830,000 in Australia wow. that has have endometriosis. So that's more than diabetes, more than dementia. It's nearly double dementia numbers. You know, it's huge. But everyone in, knows what dementia is and what diabetes is. Yep. And it's all about funding, you know. Mm. We don't have the funding anywhere near what they get. And so it's not so much funding for organisations as such, but it's funding for that essential research, you know, if it's for the whole industry, how we can deliver services for endo warriors out there now, how we mm. can answer all those questions. So everything comes back to needing a serious investment in that research. Mm, absolutely and what are the most obvious signs and symptoms of the illness um i i heard um someone say that the most simple thing is if a period stops you from going to school if you're scheduling days in bed every period if it stops you from going to work or going to uni something is wrong Mm. so that's the simplest answer but there are other symptoms that you might have so it might be painful periods it might be painful defecation painful urination painful sex Um, it could be um, fatigue and and fatigue's a huge one because we we are fighting this pain constantly Mm. so um, it we're we're exhausted and Mm. that's that's okay because um we need to help get those symptoms under control, but there are—they are the usual signs of um, endometriosis. 
Mm. And how do you treat the disease? I know you mentioned it's not curable, but um, <laughs> how, how can you help, I guess, live with it? I think there's a, you know, we have a whole heap of different things. We know surgery is one of them. Endometriosis excision surgery is one of them. But having said that, the more surgeries they have, the poorer outcomes overall. So you don't want to have lots of surgeries every two years or every year. So that's something you want to have one surgery done well. Mm. So it's not something you want to schedule yourself in to have regularly because that sets up a pain pathway. So we want to have better outcomes. So surgery is one way of um, managing um, endometriosis because we can't cure it. And is surgery um, the only way it can be diagnosed as well at the moment? We don't have a simple blood test or a urine test or any of those type of things that we can do. We know that there's been some great advancements in imaging. So Mm -hmm. with ultrasounds and with MRIs, they've had some really good, but it's about not so much the machines that have changed, but the techniques that um, have changed. And it's about the the clinician and the operator of the ultrasounds and MRIs and their ability to, their skills at reading and looking for those things. Mm -hmm. So it's no different to seeing a different doctor or seeing a different nutritionist or whatever it might be. Um, You've got to find someone who has a lot of experience in this area to um, help. And they can look at, they can pick up um, a lot of uh, deep infiltrating endometriosis and there's even suggest even some new research come out for about superficial disease which is not meaning it's less of a disease it just means that it's on the surface as opposed to deep into into the tissue or organ and mm-hmm. I have to just say also that endometriosis is another one of those anomalies is that you might have um, simple disease which is like stage one stage two disease and be in more pain than someone who's got stage three or stage four disease. So there is no, you know, we have a lot of people going, oh, I've just come out of surgery. I've only been diagnosed with stage one disease. And I feel really bad because why am I in so much pain? I feel like I'm faking it for all those other people. You kind of have this guilt that everyone else is mm. don't because it's mm. the disease. It's another anomaly with this disease that severity of disease is not or pain is not the indicator of severity of disease Mm. and just to clarify what um, Donna means by the different stages so when you do get diagnosed with endometriosis by the surgery you'll often get rated on a scale of one to four the severity um, that they found when they perform the surgery so stage one endometriosis is is um, I guess of the lesser kind they didn't find as much Um, and stage four is where you have a lot um, inside of you but yeah as you just mentioned Donna that's often not um, not reflective of the pain that someone is experiencing or the symptoms that they experience Um, and how does endometriosis impact our economy well, quite severely by the sounds of it. The last research that's come out is $9.7 billion annually. Wow. So that's including lost productivity, that's including um, costs to the economy and including costs to patients. And every endo warrior out there will be able to tell you how expensive it is to be sick. Yes, <laughs> How Definitely. expensive it is to have endometriosis. So we're negotiating, um, you know, different treatments we were talking about. You know, you've got surgery, you've got medical treatment, you've got 
pelvic pain physiotherapy, you've got acupuncture, you've got FODMAPs diet or nutrition, you've got exercise like yoga. So there's all different ways people um, can treat it, but it also becomes awfully expensive. Mm. Um, so we, we like to look at um, how you can do it yourself at home. So we use our closed group for people to give home management tips and tricks, trying to keep the prices down as well. You know, how can you um, look after yourself in a better anti-inflammatory way um, mm. at home? You know, can you do online yoga? Can you, um, uh, those type of things um, mm. to minimize the costs, outgoing costs, because endometriosis is very expensive. Mm. So is there some, I guess, more natural lifestyle choices that we can make to help um, manage endometriosis? Look, there's lots of research that hasn't been done in this area and there's some that is going on FODMAPs, low FODMAPs diet is got some good research and they're also doing more research. So um, we're really looking forward to that research coming out so that we've got some evidence to support um, the information that goes out. And there is also with yoga, there's also research projects going on in yoga for endometriosis. We've had research projects with acupuncture and there's more to come. There's research going on in um, herbs as well for, and also medicinal cannabis. Mm. So there's quite a few different areas that um, hopefully that we will be able to incorporate as part of a, um, a health plan or a wellness plan to go on to how to live well with endometriosis. Mm, mm, absolutely. And you touched on the economic impact of um, endometriosis and especially coming from, you know, endo warriors pockets, um, how expensive it can be to live with the illness. Uh, is there any government help that we can get? Like if you are really stuck in a financial situation, is there anything that we can, Medicare helps with or the government and Centrelink can do? Is there anything that we can take advantage of in those areas? I'm not an expert in those areas, but I can say that, you know, we are very fortunate in Australia that we have the public health system. Mm. And whilst it's not perfect, it, we don't have, you know, I look at what's happening in a lot of other countries and they have to pay, you know, anywhere up to $100,000 to have surgery. So mm. uh, we are not in that position. And whilst we look at how expensive it is for us to have it here, we do have some wonderful experienced endometriosis specialists, um, gynecologists in our public system. They, the mm. top people still do public work. Mm. It's just the wait list is, you know, I think that's the hardest part is the wait list. And I think anyone in the public health system will understand, as I said, it's not perfect. You can also talk to your GP about um, care plans um, mm. to help with managing things like pelvic physiotherapy and things like that. So, um, and they might have um, allied therapists as well included in that with acupuncture and, uh, sorry, not acupuncture, with dietitians and um, so they may, you know, there may be other ways that they can be support there. Centrelink, um, uh, no idea. That is, mm. I have no idea on what would be available. And I think that's really a case by case because not mm. everyone with endometriosis, some people have endometriosis and don't have a symptom. It's only Lucky them. <laughs> I know. But then they're going through infertility and that's how they yeah. discover they 
got endometriosis. So, um, you know, there's a, a, a plus and a minus for everything, but some people don't have, so you can't do a blanket something because not mm. everyone has the severity same. of symptoms. And I think that yeah. there is, um, you know, talking to your GP would be the best way to navigate that. Mm. Mm, absolutely so as we um wrap up the episode i'm wondering if you could share a little bit more about endometriosis australia um what it's about what you guys are doing there and how we can support it endometriosis australia has three main pillars so what our ideas are is to well our goals not so much ideas our goals our purpose is to um raise awareness so get that public knowing Get them understanding, make those conversations easier for ender warriors. So raise awareness, increase education. So educate what's to medical practitioners all the way through to patients, to families about endometriosis and then raise funds for endometriosis research. So we have given out um, $100,000 in our recent grant to researchers. Whilst it's not a huge amount of money because we're only a very small organisation, we look much bigger on the outside. Um, <laughs> and we have, um, we've got four wonderful researchers that are doing some really interesting projects um, and we're hoping to continue to grow that um, research program. Um, so for all those philanthropists out there and want to donate, you know, head to our website and help us to um, end endometriosis. We, for March, because March is the month for endometriosis on the calendar. Uh, so what we've got, we've got a few programs. We've got the wonderful program that's about to be launched called Endo Enlightened. So we are lighting up assets all around the country, yellow, in March to raise awareness. So we want you out there with your cameras, with your phones, take photos, with yourself in there, hashtag it, I am endo enlightened. And we want you to share that all around our social media and your social media so we can raise awareness about endometriosis. We've got rural communities really engaged in this. So we're really excited to be able to, um, uh, to raise that awareness to a completely new level in Australia. We've also got our symposium, which is only $19. So we made it $19 for the one in nine endo warriors. So it's perfect. perfect. Maybe not so perfect if I've got to explain it (laughs) all the time, but we've got $19 and you can jump online and watch it on the 27th of March. And if you get in early, you get to um, have an exclusive viewing of Sophia Bender's film Endo Girl. So if you jump in early, grab your tickets and um, it is available also internationally. So it's around Australia, you can view it in your leisure of your own home. So it will be fantastic. And we've also got our usual campaigns of host your home high tea in your home and view endo symposium. You know, mm. have Martin to yellow, wear yellow every day for the you know, for the month of March and talk about yellow and raise funds for endometriosis Australia. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Sounds like March is going to be a huge month. There's obviously lots of ways to get involved. Um, what is the website and what is your social media accounts that we can jump on to follow? So our website is endometriosisaustralia.org and you will be able to keep up to date with us on Facebook, Instagram, um, 
we are on TikTok as well. Wow, very and nice. Yes, we've got a couple of clips on there. And we are on Twitter and we are on LinkedIn. So jump on our socials um, and get involved. And don't forget to, you'll see all our hashtags for all our different campaigns. And we've got some fabulous um, educational webinars and podcasts coming out throughout the month of March. So you'll be overloaded with endo information. Mm. Endometriosis Australia actually does have its own um, podcast, Living with Endo. Um, and is that available on all good podcasting platforms? So Apple and Spotify. It is. It Fantastic. Is. Available on all the po- And we, latest figures out, I think we were like the top, I don't know, we're top 20 or top 10 medical podcasts in Australia. So um, congratulations. So really that people are really wanting the information. And we've got some Facebook watches coming out as well. And we've got even um, uh, subtitled um, webinars coming out so that it goes across all abilities. So everybody is engaged with endometriosis awareness and education. Lovely. I'm going to link all of these um, resources that you've just mentioned, Donna, in the show notes below so you can either go jump on the website, their social media accounts, or go listen to the um, Living With Endo podcast. But um, before we wrap up, would you mind leaving us with a motto or quote when it comes to endometriosis? Wow. I... Look, my biggest one is empower yourself. Empower yourself with the knowledge to be the CEO of your healthcare. You know you. Mm. So you've got to learn as much as you can to be the CEO. Be in charge. You know, be informed. Mm. Absolutely. I really love that one. Something that I've personally had to find in my own journey. Um, I think it's that is so important. Only you know your body. No one knows your body any any better than yourself. Um, thank you, Donna, for coming and chatting to us today. I greatly appreciate you sharing your time with us and informing us all on the importance of this illness and why we need to raise more awareness about it. Um, best of luck with March. I'm sure it's going to be a huge you. month for you and I'm looking forward to getting on board with all the campaigns. Thanks. Lovely to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of The Wow. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Donna and I'm feeling inspired to go out and raise awareness this month of endometriosis. I release new episodes every Tuesday, so be sure to subscribe and tune in next week. Otherwise, come follow us on Instagram at thewowpodcast underscore for more updates. Lastly, a friendly reminder that the information shared in this podcast is general advice only and does not take into account your personal situation or needs. Where appropriate, please consult a professional first. Thank you, ladies. Have a lovely week. And I'm on the road.